0: After the premieres of our interviews on Saturday night, we like to get together for a live show. It isn't Saturday Night Live, but it is Socialist Night Live. Hello and welcome to Socialist Night Live on Socialist Think Tank. Tonight we have something very special for you. Um, along with some of our incredible normal guests who are part of Socialist Think Tank, we have Laura and we have James, but also we are really privileged to um, have someone who was involved in the protests at Ken Muir Street in Glasgow this week, Mohamed um, Azif. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please, Muhammad?
1: Okay, I'm uh, Mohammed Asif, as you say, uh, I'm from Afghanistan originally, came to Glasgow nearly 21 years ago, arrived in London, and then I was told by the Home Office that London was full and uh, we have to go to Glasgow, which I'm very pleased and now thankful to the Home Office in some ways that I have come here, no disrespect to London or any other parts, but, you know, Glasgow has, you know, done me lots of good things. And then the very night I arrived here in Glasgow, uh, we had other friends and colleagues. And uh, during then, you know, we saw the conditions for asylum seekers, which were really, really bad. During that time, they had under the labor government, they had these vouchers, you know, asylum seekers were not getting any money, but they had this scheme, you know, you just get the vouchers and you buy your daily stuff. Uh, and these uh, vouchers were not even, you know, uh, used in every shop. They were particular shops. You need to go to these shops. But then a colleague of mine uh, who is now deceased from Nigeria, we shared a flat and we had a pact, you know, it's, it's like a pact between Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. <laughs> and so we signed a pact that we need to campaign, campaign on behalf of asylum seekers because conditions were really, really bad. And there was a lot of racism, um, you know, hostility against asylum seekers, the right-wing media and politicians feeding the wrong news to the Scottish people that we were getting 300 pounds a week. And in in reality, we were not getting any money during that time. Or, you know, the equivalent of vouchers were only 36 pounds a week. And after 21 years, the Home Office is generous enough, you know, they have increases to 38 pounds. So 21 years ago, asylum seekers used to get 36 pound now is 38 pound after 21 years, so it's two pound increase. So we started campaigning myself and uh, a guy called uh, from Nigeria, Inola Adivali, who sadly passed away about uh, six years ago in London. A very special guy, very humanitarian guy, and then that's how we got involved with the campaigning of uh, asylum seekers and refugees. And then the Afghanistan war came, you know, when Britain and America went to the war. In Afghanistan, and then the Iraq illegal invasion of Iraq came, and then we got involved in so many different issues. But the main uh, uh, issues to us were asylum seekers issues and refugees here in Glasgow, and that's how we got involved until today. Uh, and you know, things are still difficult for asylum seekers. It's getting more tough. You know, although we have a lot of um, wars going on around the world, and for you know. Because every time we say why so many asylum seekers come to Britain or Europe, you know, the answer is uh, maybe not that simple, but it is a little bit simple. If Britain and America and other countries bomb less countries and displace less people. So, you know, when you bomb a country, you displace about, you know, the entire population. So people move around, you know, there is no place for them to, 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 to live. So either they move to Europe or other countries, but the, the vast majority of people, they go to the neighboring countries. Like Pakistan was a poor country. They had about, you know, 7 million Afghans, you know, 3 million in uh, Iran. You know, Lebanon is a poor country. They have millions of Palestinians. Jordan have millions of Palestinians. Now Iraq, you know, uh, uh, plenty of uh, millions of asylum seekers from Iraq. Syria and Libya is the same. Where well, they were prosperous countries in the past. You know, civilization started in Iraq. Uh, you know, now Iraq is a, a forgotten story. So when the same very people make it to Britain or Europe, you know, then we have an outcry from the right wing and right wing politician, not even from the right wing, but nowadays from the mainstream, you know, even George Golawe is nowadays, uh, you know, against the, you know, <laughs> protest against the home office. He put a tweet yesterday, you know, he's saying that. Uh, an illegal, uh, uh, you know, he called the Scottish uh, Parliament an assembly. It's not an assembly. It's an independent Scottish Parliament. You know, it's a disgrace that our former friend George Galloway is using such words. You know, Uh, I mean, um, just to say that so many things are happening right now. uh, But asylum seekers are the political football in Britain, in Europe. You know, the harder you kick them, the better player you become. You know, Uh, it doesn't matter which party is in power. But we always say that asylum seekers don't look for special treatment. All they want is, you know, a dignified system which treats people equally and fairly and justly. You know, I don't think so. Anyone is asking for special treatment and their treatment is just under the Geneva Convention. You know, that uh, anyone is entitled to an asylum claim here, whether he or she succeeds or fail that claim. But you need to look at the, the, the process. But pro- uh, sadly, the process in Britain in Europe is very biased, you know, uh, even some European countries are boycotting to take Muslim asylum seekers, you know, they say they only want Christian asylum seekers in Europe, for example, like Hungary in uh, Romania and, and other countries. But, you know, but the banks of asylum seekers are Muslims because their countries are at war or whether there is rogue regimes in power with the help of Britain and America and others. Uh, and there is illegal wars going on again by America and Britain and the rest of the Europe. So when the very people come here, they you know, blame or given so many different names, you know, when we came, we were told that you're scr- scroungers, you know, you're stealing our jobs, you know, and uh, you are getting our money, you know, that amount of money. I mean, 36 pounds 21 years ago and now 21 years later, 38 pounds a week is uh, unbelievable. You know, uh, where you look at the inflation, Yes. Asylum seekers get free asylums, um, what you call accommodation, but their accommodation is on a no choice basis. You know, you can be given an accommodation somewhere far away where you don't speak the language, you don't understand the culture, you don't speak, uh, you don't know anyone. You know, there's no community around you who can, uh, you know, go and help you. Uh, and if you don't take that uh, accommodation, you are left homeless or destitute. Uh, and and uh, then we see the right wing media and the right wing politician, even the mainstream media nowadays, they they're very selfish. And uh, you know, you all you need is a house. I mean, uh, imagine you going to China, you know, knowing no one, you know, don't speak the language, don't understand the culture, and on the top, you know, you are kicked on the daily base and the daily basis. So life will be you know a misery probably for you. But we got no choice, you know. There are so many liberties in this country, which is a civilized and democratic society. seekers from, for example, to have it. Yeah, you know, it's my house. Yes, you have given me an accommodation, but uh, you know, I'm not allowed to have my guest. I'm not allowed to leave. Like if I'm an asylum seeker in Glasgow, I cannot go and visit London. You know. Uh, for a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, there is uh, even in certain cases, I'm not allowed to marry. You can fall in love with someone and you really love that person. Whether he or she you love, you know, you, you need to seek permission from the home office. And the easy answer they give you is a, it's a fake marriage. You know, why would someone have a fake marriage? Yes, we understand there are individuals or so maybe there are elements, you know, who misuse the system. But the bulk of asylum seekers, the majority are from the war torn countries who come here, you know, and, and seek sanctuary. But sadly, you know, uh, I mean, it's all whenever I say it's interlinks with uh, the UK foreign policies. You know, if, if the foreign, foreign policy was fair and just not removing regimes in uh, launching illegal wars in uh, selling uh, weapons to rogue regimes, you know, like Saudi Arabia and others killing the Yemenis in, you know, and, and other countries. So we would have less asylum seekers. I mean, I can talk to you for months in and in, in days, you know. Uh, and it will not finish. But it's just all we want is the bottom line is a fair and just system where you are treated like a human being. You are not just treated a number. You know, right now, asylum seekers are just a a number for the Home Office. You look at their statistic, they just give a number. You know, this year, this many numbers have come or refused or gone or accepted. So it's not like you are just, uh, you know, uh, a citizen of this country, you know, where you can have certain rights. And this is the only country in the Western Europe, Britain, uh, who de- detain asylum seekers indefinitely. It doesn't happen in any other country apart from Britain, where you can be detained indefinitely. And, and I know people who have been in detention center for six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, you know. And when uh, things were taken to the court and the home office was fine, you know, for illegal detention, it doesn't happen in any other European country. I'm sorry I'm just you know uh, uh, talking too much so
0: <laughs> yeah um you it's it's wonderful to to hear not wonderful to hear what you've been through but it's wonderful to hear that like you know <coughs> from first hand what's actually gone on and i think a lot of the time um refugees are and asylum seekers are um you know they they're dehumanized but to have a human face and to have that story there, um, I think you'd have to be an awful person to hear that story and, and begrudge anyone the tiny amount of money that you're getting to live on a, in, in, a, in a week as an <coughs> asylum seeker in this in this country. Um, so, you know, something big happened this week, as as we mentioned earlier on. Um, I'm going to bring in Laura and James because what I, my plan, Laura and James, that I haven't told you yet, yet is for you to, um, you know, come in and ask questions. And uh, and contribute as and when you like, but I'd just like you to set set out, Mohammed, please, if you don't mind. Um, what actually happened this week? So, what like if imagine no, none of our listeners have heard anything about Camus Street um, at all this week in Glasgow. So, can you tell us a little bit about you know what happened, how it started, and what the outcome was?
1: Uh, just to give you a, a little bit of, uh, you know, information, dawn raids happen in Scotland since 2001, and, but it got really worse in, uh, since 2003. And uh, people stood against the dawn raids because it's like you're sleeping in your bed and suddenly, you know, someone like a mafia type of people burst into your house, you know, force their entry and then bundle you in the middle of the night or early hours of the morning. It used to happen to children. They even collected children in their school uniform from school and then detained them, you know, then, uh, you know, raided their homes, children screaming and shouting in the middle of the night or late hours in the morning. And then uh, the Scottish government or the Scottish parliament, the politician in the campaigners, trade unions, you know, they came and they asked the Home Office that they should stop this policy and they stopped for some time. But then behind the scene, they were still doing it. So what happened uh, yesterday was, the same policy of the Home Office went into the two uh, boys' house in Pollock Shields, which is the area called uh, Kenmure Street in Glasgow, which is the south side of Glasgow, a very, it's the most diverse community in the whole of Scotland, you know, uh, multicultural uh, area in the whole of Scotland. And then uh, burst into their house. When uh, I asked the guy, they say he was sleeping in his bed. And when uh, people knock on the door and his father answered the door, and they forced their entry into their house and uh, take the guys out and uh, you know handcuff them with the help. Uh, I mean, all those strathclyde not strathclyde police anymore, but police Scotland. Uh, you know, they were there for health and safety issues because they always tell us that they are not part of the immigration, immigration removal uh, team, but they are there to facilitate. You know, for, for the sake of health and safety. So uh, someone um, uh, saw what was. Someone actually followed the van from uh the home office because there's a team uh you know anti um uh, don Ritz team so they watch the home office when the vans are leaving the home office so they follow the van where the van is going so someone followed that van from their team which is really they're doing a great job and uh, when the van stopped at that particular street so when the guy waited and when um you know the the, the guys were out so he threw himself under the van you know uh, we're a very brave guy, you know, and spending almost nine hours underneath the van, you know, with a pillow or mattress, you know, and uh, sleeping, not sleeping, lying rough on the rough road surface. And uh, then uh, people gather, you know, the neighbors, because the guys are living there for so uh, for so long. The shopkeepers know them, the local community know them. And, and uh, people gather, a small group, and then increase it. The message went on a social media. I went for my Eid prayer as, a, you know, it's Eid. Uh, today I have some sort of, um, you know, proper Eid in the house. Uh, and, uh, you know, so uh, I was in the mosque when someone sent me a message that there is a down raid. if you can, uh, you know, let the media know. So I sent uh, text messages to some of my uh, friends, journalist friends who are very good. And then uh, they put a, uh, put out a message and then the crowd uh, increased by the time I arrived and my colleagues arrived. Uh, so we sent messages to almost everyone to come down to um, Kinmere Street and uh, protest against the removal of these two boys. Because our fight is not about the two boys. It's about the system here. The system is just like a mafia style, you know, and they try to, you know, really scare you. It's a very bad tactic, the tactics they use. So people gather in, uh, you know, the crowd was, and people said 200, it was in their thousands, you know. It wasn't 200. You can see the actual video, it's like thousands of them. Uh, uh, but then uh, uh, I tried to text messages to some of the politicians to issue statements and, uh, you know, supporters, But then it was on the day where the Scottish Parliament was uh, their first day of reopening and the MSPs were taking the oath of office. But uh, yeah, luckily, uh, many of them replied and then we put them on the megaphone and uh, they spoke to the crowd where the crowd got more energy. Uh, you know. Uh, and then they said the politicians are on our side, which is really good. And uh, so the police size also increased, you know, a few hundred of them came, you know, they had a right squad as well, waiting somewhere further away. They were having horses waiting further away. We tried to negotiate with the police. Uh, One of them said it's COVID and it's illegal. But, uh, you know, you're forced sometime. You had no choice when your life is at risk and, uh, you know, you need to stand for justice. You know, Uh, you don't really look, you know, what's going to happen to me or to someone else. And it was an individual individual decision. We told the officer Uh, and, uh, you know, I said we can leave within two minutes. If you uh, release the guys, we will just go. You know, we will not stand here. And uh, we had the first question from the BBC as well, that uh, do you not uh, feel embarrassed that it's, uh, you know, COVID? And uh, that was the first question from the BBC. I don't to know the lady. She was a new lady. It, do you not feel embarrassed that it's COVID? Uh, but we told exactly the same. I say, you know, we're forced to be here. You know, they can release the guys and we can just go home. You know, who wants to be there on a cold morning, you know, sitting on the floor, or standing there? Uh, and then uh, uh, we tried to negotiate differently ways with the police, but they, it failed. And then we found out that our first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, the justice secretary and other politicians were trying to speak to the Home Office, but the Home Office totally ignored them. You know, they were put to a very junior officer in the Home Office. You know, uh, it, it, she's the first minister of a country, you know, uh, you need to pay some sort of respect to her. You know, she's a first minister, a justice secretary, whether you like it, you don't like it. They are our elected politicians here. Whether I am in their party, I'm not in their party, it's another matter, but they, she is our first minister. The guy is our, um, you know, justice secretary. And according to them, you know, they put out statements and and they said, you know, they were, um, uh, firstly, they were ignored. And then they, you know, they were faced with very junior ranking uh, civil servant at the home office, which is really embarrassing for the home office to be, you know, to treating such, elected politician who represent, you know, the majority of this country or, you know, whether you voted for her or you didn't vote for her, it's another matter. But she's uh, the first minister of this country. Uh, and then uh, uh, after many years of negotiation, I know my very good friend, uh, probably, you know, as well, you know, I know him for nearly 21 years. He was the first I uh, met in Glasgow when we joined our campaign. So he arrived and uh, uh, he also negotiated with the police. And then finally, the deal was that it wasn't really the home office who released them. The police released, you know, they said they were not going to take the risk because the crowd was good. and They were not going to remove people, although they tried once, but they failed. You know, they were trying to bundle people, but they failed. People refused to go. And we just appealed to the protesters that we have to keep it uh, very peaceful. And the police uh, were trying to intimidate us, some of the officers, not all. Uh, so they wanted to become, you know, or to make it ugly. So, you know, these things can end up in a different way. But um, the protesters were wise enough. They were from every background. We had Jewish, we have Muslims, we have Christian, we have Jews, we had people who had no religion. We had Africans, we have everyone, you know, uh, from different countries. And they were sitting there... Chanting, uh, they said, uh, and we were giving speeches, chants, uh, myself and my colleagues, and uh, we just appealed to them that we are going to stay here even if it takes days. We are not going away until these guys were released. But finally, the uh, Scotland uh, Police Scotland, they decided uh, that it was not uh, going to work. So they have a deal uh, with Aaron myself that uh, you know we will take the guys to the mosque. But one of the most, the religious center was not really safe because there were some in the crowd who, you know, you have all sort of people and just about four of them who wanted it for everybody. So we decided to go to another mosque or another religious center who accommodated us, thankfully. And there, you know, the guys were released and, uh, you know, everybody dispersed and uh, the police went to the boys went to the house. Uh, so that's a very short story. Anyway. <laughs>
0: It's just uh, what a brilliant story of solidarity that is and the the, the story of people of all different religions coming together and, and all different religions and non coming together to support one another, to support other human beings. That's what this story is about, really, at, at the heart of it.
1: I mean, the, the best thing was when the people were chanting, they are our neighbors, that, you know, your hair can really stand, so you, you call it goosebumps or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were chanting, they're our neighbors, you know, that really, really uh, makes uh, everybody's day, you know, uh, where uh, strangers came out and saying that they were our neighbors, you know. And it's all due to pretty Patel, because, uh, you know, the new legislation on asylum and immigration, the way they treated the Windrush generation, people who left here for 60, 70 years, you know, the way they were treated. Uh, migrants and refugees you know uh, sometimes <laughs> some you know sadly some people say you know we are from the same background black background and you should be thankful that you have someone at a very high p- position in the government I rather don't have someone you know who looks like me but who's horrible you know uh, you know and horrible to other human beings so i rather have someone you know it, maybe, you know, where he or she comes from. But as long as, you know, it's fair and just to everyone, you know. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy with that choice rather than an elite, you know, who has no common touch with the ordinary citizens in this country, you know, who is just a multimillionaire and who is corrupt from top to bottom. Uh, I mean, she, you yeah. know, I'm not going into to it, but she is a corrupt lady and, and, and she is a very biased and very unjust lady.
0: Yeah, I think you'd come of agreement. Yeah, Um <laughs> Laura, Laura, James, do you have any anything to add? Any any questions?
2: I just, uh, I just want to sort of make the comment, just how in awe I am of how incredible of an organisational job that was in a short space of time, getting that many people, and it just shows the strength of feeling on this, which I think people need to see because I think a lot of people are getting disheartened by the rhetoric that our governments have for far too long pushed that, you know, they've othered refugees and asylum seekers and they're not us and they don't belong and all of that. And, and that has trickled down into normal people's consciousness. And I, I think it's...
1: Um, I, I mean, the, 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 the worst part is when pretty Patel put asylum seekers in a military barracks, you know, some uh, during the corona, and, uh, you know, nearly 300 asylum seekers, you know, got coronavirus. And what everybody was telling them, campaigners and activists and, you know, political parties that, you know, it's not a good place. You know, there was no, imagine in Britain, you don't have running water, you know. Uh, and you're put in that place, you know, uh, even in Glasgow, you know, during the coronavirus. Uh, so one of the accommodation providers decided to take people out of their uh, uh, flats and put them in the hotel because hotels were cheaper for the company and uh, uh, and and things really gone worse you know uh, mm-hmm. uh mental health issues you know uh no uh, social distancing during the peak of corona in the hotel uh, and then one of uh the asylum seekers got mad and took a knife and you know stabbed uh, others including a police officer when he was shot dead by the police uh, sadly you know uh, and uh the guy told the accommodation provider that he's having mental issues, uh, but nobody, no one really bothered. You know, they just because it was a a decision, financial decision. They took people out of their homes and put them in the hotel because hotels were lying empty. No one was living in the hotel, so it was a cheaper option for the company, uh, and they were making over twelve thousand pound a day. You know, at the expense of asylum seekers in Glasgow. That particular company. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, but above all, you know, I think if you ask any asylum seekers, you know, they're not after, uh, you know, more money. You know, they won't tell you we want more money. You know, they will just tell you treat us nicely and treat us like human beings, like you would treat another human being. It's what they want. You know? I
2: think it's just a. It absolute absence of any sort of empathy from the government in favour of just nasty capitalism and you're right you you know asylum seekers are are a handy tool to talk about at election time and it's yeah. absolutely and the, but that's why what happened in Glasgow was so special because it showed you that that's not really true most people do care and and yeah, i know uh-huh. I, I i got the goosebumps as well listening to everyone say they're our neighbors it was so heartwarming and lovely and and you know you've seen the protests um this this week there's been loads today around palestine mm-hmm. P- people here do care about they are yes, internationalists mm-hmm. they do care about yeah, people mm-hmm. um and and it goes to show that if we do come out in force and we do all speak up it does work you know that was yes. successful i mean obviously you had to get a lot a hell of a lot of people to do it but there's there's a lot of us and i think if we remember to
1: choose a day like this uh, whether the guys were muslims or not muslims but the area is predominantly muslim area hmm. you know uh to choose a day like this on the day of Eid, the first day of Eid, you know uh, and, uh, you know, you don't really care about the, you know, uh, the, what do you call the the, 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 how other people think, you know, and their religion and their culture, you know, it's a multicultural society in that area is just, you know, one of the most diverse in Scotland. But, uh, you know, uh, luckily we have uh, politicians in Scotland who support our causes, you know, Scotland is the first country to allow refugees to vote. You know, just in the concluded elections, you know, many refugees have voted. Uh, I don't know how they voted, but, you know, they were allowed to vote. Uh, So we are, but uh, it's sad again that, you know, uh, because the Scottish government doesn't have any powers, you know, it's everything is decided, uh, you know, somewhere else. Uh, uh, But again, you know, uh, we are lucky enough that uh, we live in this city. I mean, there are thousands of people, as you said, like today in London, you know, uh, people were marching for Palestine, you know, tomorrow is in Glasgow and then, uh, you know, in, in major parts of uh, the UK. You know, what's happening in Gaza, it's also linked because millions of Palestinian refugees are displaced, you know. And I know many of them are in Glasgow or in Scotland, you know, millions of Syrians, you know, plenty of them are in Scotland now. Is the uh, majority of Syrian refugees come to Scotland, you know, the for uh, relocation or there's a new name for it. Uh, So most of them are in the north of Scotland, you know, and uh, if you go to these communities and ask them then they love the Syrian refugees because they bring new talents, new skills in the area, opening new restaurants, barbershops, you know, businesses, scientists, doctors. And if you go, uh, you know, the north of Scotland, they haven't seen refugees before, but now they're welcoming them because they know it's benefiting their life in uh, the culture, in the society. Uh, rather than uh, becoming a burden, you know, I lived here for 21 years. You know, when I arrived, I was not allowed to work. After six months, when I was allowed to work, and I work and work and work and work. Um, um,
3: there's a uh, the, the, there's a couple of things. I've lived in Glasgow. For me, it was a massive culture shock because of, um, where I where I live it's not as multicultural as a few cities. Um, but when i moved to glasgow i moved in like uh, uh it's where the arches are near near the quayside yes,
1: sir. Mm-hmm. um
3: in yeah and there it was really multicultural you got all you got all like your lebanese restaurants and stuff like that Um, you got all all the different multicultural restaurants in the, in that region as well as the market in, in the arches if i'm not mistaken yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and it, for me it was a huge shock um, but it was very welcoming. Yeah, I could not have asked for a better experience such just walking in, didn't know what I was doing, didn't even know half of the ingredients I was looking at half of the time.
1: I mean, um, then, but, no, no, uh, no disrespect to any city or any part of the Britain, but if you ask a, a guy who's homeless or selling big issues on the street and you approach him and uh, ask him for a direction, you know, he will walk with you. You know, to that particular place, and and take you there. And say that's the place. You know, without expecting you to pay him anything. You know, but uh, it's but it uh, as again, you know, there are people. You know, who, uh, you cannot change their mind. You know, who don't like a seekers, seeker, they just oh, don't right. like them. You know, you, can, you no matter what you do is how much you preach. You know, they just made up their mind and they say no. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we we uh, you mentioned just uh, uh, the, 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 like. Um, uh, sorry, it was uh, the, the anti-dawn team coming out um, outside of the detention, and, and you mentioned the detention centres as well. We currently have one going on right now, right in County Durham, as is to the other, uh, the other two County Durham uh, lo- located people. And there's been protests and everything regarding that. I'm just wondering, is that on your radar at all, um, Mohammed? Or um,
1: I don't know, to be honest. Sir. Because in Scotland, we only have one detention center, which is called the Dangeval, uh, which is right. out of Glasgow. It's, you uh, know, I think it's an area called Stravan. It's a, a, a nearly an hour journey by car from the city center. The Home Office tried to get another detention center next to the Glasgow airport, but permission was not granted by the council because yeah. they knew if they have a detention center next to the airport, and then activists will come and protest. So... They did not give them any permission or or granted the license to have a detention center next to the airport so there's one detention center and the home office is very clever enough when they detain people in england uh, they bring them to Dungavel, so you are far away from your community you are away from uh, you know your lawyer and uh, people who are supporting you and when they detain people in uh, scotland they take them down south you know so you know make it hard for your lawyer and you know friends and supporters to travel down south so this is what the home office does you know uh, taking people from one place to another uh, uh, but uh, you know the scottish government said many many times campaigners and activists you know that this place should be closed and people should live in community rather than in detention center you know because it's not really good for anyone uh, you know uh, but it, it is really 21st century uh, the statistics of home office who, that where asylum seekers, which countries asylum seekers are coming from. These are the countries where there's an active war or a war for the past 20 or 30 or 40 years, you know, like Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, Syria and Libya, Lebanon, Palestine, you know, uh, uh, Sudan, Somalia. These are the countries, you know, where there is a war for, uh, you know, many, many years and there's hardly anything left for them, you know. Uh, uh, and when people come here, It's really, really, you know, a misery. Uh, I mean, I know literally, if you go to the NHS in Scotland and you look at their statistics, you know, many asylum seekers are having PTSD, they're having mental health issues, because, firstly, they're from war-torn countries. You know, no matter how safe that country is, you have seen, you know, poverty, you have scores, you have seen bombs, you know. It affects your mental health, you know. Organization Freedom from Torture, you know, you go and see their statistics, you know, they're an independent organization, Amnesty International, you know, independent organization, you know, it's not taking side with anyone. And if you look at the statistics, you know, the the people who I have here are really the victims of persecution. Uh, some of my colleagues here in Scotland, you know, their relatives were not killed by Taliban, but they were killed in American bombing, you know, in Afghanistan. Uh, and so it's not just one party that you flee. And then the, the, the funny thing is, the laughable thing is, when uh, the British government said you should take legal, route, you know, illegal legislation, people who arrive illegally in Britain, they will not be granted asylum. So, for example, if I'm running uh, persecution or you know, some sort of problem in Afghanistan or Syria, Libya, firstly, you know, the, the British embassies or high commissions, you cannot go near them. It's like in two pictures near them because of the security problem. Firstly, you will never be able to approach the British embassy or high commission for help, even if you go to their embassy and you make it, you know, and and, and if you tell them, my life is in danger, do you really think they will give you an issue, a visa and say, you go to Britain, you know? Then again, have shown every legal route, you know, for people to come to Britain. Even that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dubs amendments, you know, with a young unaccompanied children. Theresa May promised to take 3,000 from Europe unaccompanied minors who are just like 12 years old, 16 years old. And now the the current Home Secretary, you know, shut down that route as well for young unaccompanied minors and shut down every single league, you know, uh, from different countries. And can make it legally to Britain. The only way you can come to Britain is on the back of the lorry or or on the boat or the dinghy or whatever you call it. So how legally when you are running away execution, there is no way if you are very lucky, you know, one in 100,000 or one in in 10,000 or 50,000, you know, you will make it. But the rest will not make it legally here to the UK or Europe or anywhere else.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the problem, isn't it? Because people talk about legality of, of people being here, but if, unless you make legal routes, then how can people be here mm-hmm. legally? It's it's impossible yeah. to do that. Um, I've had a really good comment, and, and there's been so it's quite lively in the chat tonight. Actually, there's lots of people mm-hmm. making comments. Um, one of the comments is is one that like if if it's basically how we can help. So Kat Cray, who's absolutely brilliant. We love her on this channel. She's been on the show for um, uh, a couple of reasons with the Women's Banner Group and with the RMT. Um, um, As a trade unionist in our workplaces, such as mine, the railway, we sometimes witness immigration checks. What can we do to help in that moment?
1: Uh, I mean, it's very hard, you know, when you have immigration checks, you're on the train or the, you know, coming from you know from somewhere uh, uh, and if you don't look the same as other people look like you know so you're the first one to be targeted I think that the best way is to mobilize your community you know although you know it, it, it's a uh, maybe they will tell you you're committing a crime you know you're uh, you know you're uh, causing an obstruction you know in the way of immigration of police officers but the way, best way is like what we did in Glasgow you know mobilize the community you know love your neighbor and look after your neighbor like during this this coronavirus one thing positive which came out was you know look for your neighbor you know and, and the poor and ordinary citizens of this country look after one another I think is one of the way that you, you can mobilize your neighbor and know your neighbors yet who is living in your area now, I learned a lot of new things during coronavirus I went around with my daughters and my family you know uh, the very little help we provided, maybe we we could have gone to pharmacy, pick up medicine for someone else, you know, uh, it doesn't matter whether you are an asylum seeker or refugee, is what we did. But mobilizing the community, you know, making links and especially educating the young generation, you know, because, uh, you know, telling them that what is happening, you know, around the world, you know, have a look what's happening. You know, people don't make the choices to, you know, come from Libya or uh, Syria taking their dangerous route to the Mediterranean, and many of them are drowned. You know, Many of them are drowned crossing from Turkey to Greece. Uh, hundreds of asylum seekers, or thousands from Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq, are drowned between the sea, uh, between Turkey and, and um, Greece, and uh, coming from Libya you know, uh, in the Mediterranean. So who would do that You know, while you're young children? You know, The only treasure you have in your life, your children, and you know that for sure something might go wrong with you in the sea, Uh, you know. It's just to save your skin and save your life, you know. Uh, I I don't think so any person will do it for pleasure uh, or any person will do it for money, you know. uh, uh, You know, you will never get your children back once they're drowned in the sea. So what would you do with the money, no matter how much money you will have, you know. Uh, And this uh, tragedy will never, I know, leave you. It will be in your head forever until you're alive so no one makes the choice unless you know they are forced to go you know um, when i uh, saw people coming over from france to britain by dinghies and we had uh, what is that thing military ship you know i don't know they call it a special name and then they had fighter jets patrolling the you know the the ch- the, the channel crossing you know and someone said we're invaded by asylum seekers you don't know how an invasion looked like you go to iraq and see, you know, the country has been destroyed, you know, their livelihood, their homes, their, you know, children, their family members, you know, they had nothing left, that's an invasion, go to Afghanistan, go to the Syria, Libya, look what an invasion looked like. It's not 10 asylum seekers a day or 100 asylum seekers a week, or 500 crossing into Britain is an invasion, you know, that's not, and, and that is, you know, Britain is responsible. If you look, uh, at these countries, the top producing asylum seekers countries, it is Britain, America, and France, in some other countries, and uh, uh, some other European countries, are responsible for the creation of asylum seekers. You know, uh, because of the wars. You know, the wars that Britain and America went into Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Libya and Sudan, Somalia, in in uh, in, in uh, supporting you know rogue regimes and dictators. You know, uh, around the world. Uh, uh, and the victims of, um, you know, war, when they arrive here, you know, they are not wanted here. Some call them scroungers. Some call them they are bringing disease. Some call them, you know, uh, I, I don't know, uh, different names, you know. <laughs> I, I even saw some years ago, you know, uh, I think it was 2001, headline in one of the uh, uh, right-wing newspaper, it, uh, asylum seekers troll a donkey on the beach of Blackpool, you know, and slaughter and eat it. Firstly, a Somali asylum seekers. They say Somali asylum seekers. That was years ago. Firstly, Muslims don't eat donkeys because it's forbidden in their religion, and it will be very hard to steal a donkey on the you know Blackpool Beach because donkey makes good money on that Blackpool. You know, a ride is I think ten pound. You know, or five pound. I think I remember it was five pound when I went to Blackpool Beach some years ago. And so you know, uh, Muslims don't eat donkeys unless you are dying of hunger, then you are allowed to eat. And then there was another headline in the front page that uh, uh, asylum seekers looking people, you know, stole the queen swan, you know, some sort of birds. And they stole the swan, slaughtered it and barbecue it near the palace, you know. How would that be possible? You know, you go in and, and steal the, the queen swan and slaughter it. Bar- you know, the sort of headlines, people will think it's a front line, it must be true, you know. I mean, people, when they read newspapers, they, they must be thinking. It's true, it's not true. A lot of rubbish are printed in the newspapers, you know. This, this, it has no reality or no facts in it.
0: Very, very sad to question. say that, um, all the swans are the queen swans, so that's why they're referred to as the queen swans. Apparently, the queen owns all the swans in this country. Um, <laughs> so the, the, <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> of trivia right, that yeah. obviously is uh <laughs> quite a funny one um but yeah she owns all the swans and um and and another obscure rule if you find a i mean i'm joking a it
1: was in the it, the headlines you know the, yeah. the, uh, and the national newspapers you know and people when they're reading they must be thinking yes you know they are you know they are the one you know who stole it
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's it's absolutely absurd isn't it um Thank you for like the You you can't see these, Mohammed, but there's so many supportive comments coming in. Well, thank you, man. Um, thank and you, at all the time, and, and what a wonderful, what a wonderful story that you've told, and what a wonderful um, speaker that you are. We're really glad to have you on because people need to hear these stories. Um, i'm going to bring in laura and james for a minute just to ask if, if there's anything that you'd like uh, muhammad to address i know that james you were interested in speaking about um the the work that muhammad does is that right
3: yeah yeah so it's it, it, it's yeah uh, you're you're part of um, or, or, or i think you're director of should i say the afghan uh, human rights foundation it's just is there any chance you can elaborate of uh, what that's about and how other people can get in touch and help out and maybe get involved?
1: I mean, it's quite easy. You know, you can send us a text or a message. But what we do is we only... Uh, it, the name is Afghan Human Rights, but we work with everyone. You know, uh, it's, a most, it's a 100% volunteer. Uh, there is no payment involved. There is nothing. You know, whatever we do is we do it at our own expense. You know, we don't ask for collections or money or charity or... Donations, nothing like that. You know, we do it uh, 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 on the volunteer basis. But when I came here, I have done different jobs. You know, uh, my first job was in a 24 hour shop because I didn't know anyone. And then my next job was uh, in a local college called Anisland College. I was a student advisor there. And then I worked for the Ministry of Justice as a legal um, interpreter or translator. Then I worked, you know, Uh, also in the UK Defense Academy in Swindon, you know, uh, 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 teaching culture uh, uh, and uh, religion on a a freelance basis. And uh, uh, currently also I'm doing mostly legal work, you know, mostly translations, uh, and I'm self-employed doing my own work, but also uh, I volunteer with different charities and different organizations, whoever wherever we have the time so we go out and help uh, but uh, most importantly i campaign for the rights of asylum seekers and refugees you know and so many other causes uh i was uh, i was still an anti-war activist you know uh, jeremy invited me many times the la- the very last time he invited me was into the british parliament and uh, you know we spoke along against the war in afghanistan and iraq and other parts of the world and we still do that yeah uh, uh, he's a great man, a wonderful man. So, you know, the, uh, every human beings have their own shortcomings. But, you know, when it comes to human rights issues, Jeremy's at the top. You know, he doesn't give in, you know, like many others would, you know, g- give in t- to pressure, you know, from certain groups, uh, you know, and uh, would change like uh, George Galloway. I don't know what he's up to just now. You know. uh, I'm supposed to be on his show this uh, today in London. Uh, the American troops who traveled from Afghanistan, so I refused to go. After what I saw, his tweets, you know, so I, I told him I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a uh, researcher, not him, but his researcher.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Laura. Laura, have you got anything?
2: Yeah, I mean, God, I, I've, there's so much. I, I honestly could sit and talk to you for hours about this, well, listen to you, because it's been so enlightening and I'm sure you probably don't take this on board but I just I want to thank you so much for coming on and no, I really do feel a...
1: thank you I for having feel like you're such no. an
2: inspirational person and I honestly believe that people listening to you tonight will really just get a bit of hope from you um and, and know that there's a direction and and so much of what you said has really resonated with me especially the fact that if we're that bothered about asylum seekers, stop bombing them, <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. we, we our country is basically complicit in this. We've, um, I, I think we also, as well as being helpful and being neighbourly and getting to know our communities and being supportive, I actually think we need to get involved in sort of disarmament campaigns. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, I wrote
1: a letter to Tony Blair when, uh, after 9-11, when I knew that, you know, the Britain and, and others were going into Afghanistan. So I wrote him a letter and uh, a very good letter, which was published later on in Times newspaper. Uh, I think it was in 2001 I wrote to him. I told him that Taliban, a bunch of, uh, bunch of terrorists who are still terrorists, terrorizing innocent Afghans and others, you know, that if we are going to remove the Taliban, who are we going to support? Because the warlords prior to the Taliban in the drug lords who are currently in power, they were worse than the Taliban. You know, you replace one killer with another killer. You know, it's like, you know, you want to know who kill more or who kill less so you can put them in power. And Tony Blair said this time we will not walk away from Afghanistan uh, after the Soviet uh, or the USSR invasion of Afghanistan. Because the West abandoned Afghanistan in the 90s once the Russians were defeated. And Tony Blair, in his own words, he he replied to my letter that he will not abandon the Afghans. You know, this time he will stand with the Afghans. The West will stand with the Afghans, and there will be a regime which will be, you know, uh, representative of the Afghans. But what they did was empower the most vicious warlords, drug lords, and genocidal and mass killers who are still in power and uh, still uh, calling the shots. You know. Uh, for us, you know, there's no difference between the Taliban and the the, the warlords in the drug class. You know, they were in the power uh, prior to the Taliban, and they were killing innocent Afghans. And when the Taliban came there, they did the same. So I still remember the words of Tony Blair, you know, uh, uh, that he said he would not walk away from Afghans. But sadly, you know, uh, that didn't really happen. What they did was because they needed people who can carry their dirty work in Afghanistan you know and that dirty work can be carried only by drug lords and warlords in the genocide you know a person who has killed 7000 in one week is uh, becoming the you know marshal the rank of marshal uh, you know a person who has killed so many people is given the rank of military general you know the man doesn't even went to a military school he a graduate of madrasa a religious school but he become a military general i don't know how that works So the dirty people were in power and uh, to Afghans, you know, it didn't really make any difference. Like for me in ordinary Afghans, you know, uh, uh, it's just like when the Corona stuck here, you were working, I was working, you know, everybody was working and the rich were asking for bailouts. You know, that's how it works. Yeah,
0: yeah, Absolutely. We could go on at this absolutely all night, but I know that you've had some um, some sad no, news. No, I, I send my it. daughter.
1: If you want me, I can. Uh, she's you, away, so well. Yeah, if if you if yeah. you're happy to stay a little bit longer, we would be happy for a and little papi, bit yeah, longer. So she's away. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's doing my job.
0: <laughs> oh well, well, brilliant. That yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's our gain certainly. Um, so you know, we you spoke about Afghanistan there, and people don't seem to understand that that it, it seems people have been using it as a, I don't know, as a strategic place in a battle, haven't they? So there was Russia that invaded Afghanistan and then it changed to, you know, a a lot of um, UK, Western, uh, UK, US, Western influence there. Um, You know, what sort of effect does that have on the people of Afghanistan?
1: You see, when Britain and America went, but Britain has changed uh, their policies on Afghanistan 11 times. Firstly, they said they were there to fight Al-Qaeda. Then they said they were there to fight the drug trade. I visited the British military bases in Afghanistan when I was working in Afghanistan some years ago. And uh, literally in front of their military bases, you know, the poppy were growing. I asked one of the officers, I say, I thought your mission was to get rid of the you know, drug trade and opium trade. And he will say that if we touch the farmers, we get more enemies. But that's not true, actually. But what is true is the Afghan drug industry is, uh, you know, went like maybe 1,000% under the occupation. It's more than 7 billion a year right now. You know, 7 billion a year is a lot of money. I don't know how much that money, because for us, we would never see that money anyway. Uh, And then, you know, um, after... uh, 20 years of war in Afghanistan, you know, many hundred thousands of Afghans died or killed by the Taliban and foreign forces, the Afghan regime, you know, which is really, really corrupt. Uh, you know, the, the whatever resources Afghanistan had, you know, it was an estimate of two trillion of lithium, you know, in Afghanistan, two trillion uh, uranium is plenty in Afghanistan, uh, you know, uh, this expensive stones, I don't know what you call it, stones, you know, it, Afghanistan mountains, you know, certain mountains is full of them. These are all dug out by, you know, foreign forces or foreign regimes, you know, uh, taken out of Afghanistan with the help of dirty warlords and drug lords. And, and uh, now, you know, after 20 years, where nearly 49 countries invading Afghanistan. Taliban controlling now sixty percent of the Afghan land, and uh, now the Taliban are even more stronger. You know, uh, and uh, we had at one point nearly three hundred thousand foreign soldiers in Afghanistan, but they did not defeat it. Uh, did not defeat the Taliban for some reasons. I don't know. Maybe they know the reasons why they didn't want to fight. And now you know the Taliban are going to come back to power. You know, with the help of America and Britain. You know, again you know, running away from Afghanistan and giving the Taliban a blank check, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, every single day, you know, you open the news in Afghanistan, innocent people are butchered, you know, young women and children just two days ago in, a, in front of a school, in front of a school, high uh, uh, yeah, primary school, you know, 86 people were killed in an explosion, mostly young children, you know. The parents recognized them only from their books, they didn't even know how to find their bodies. So this is the sort of Afghanistan, no security, no employment. But the worst people, the most corrupt people, it's not me who's saying, it's the American and it's their friends who are in power. They're saying that they are the most corrupt people uh, in the world. And Afghanistan is the most dangerous country on earth, according to United Nations and other human rights organizations, you know, uh, and uh, after twenty years, you know, America claimed to have spent nearly nine nine hundred billion in Afghanistan. Nine hundred billion. Yeah, they say they spent nine hundred billion. It was like a year ago when I read. I don't know how many uh, Britain spent there in Australia and uh, Germany in <laughs> France and Italy in New Zealand, and uh, you know you have zero security. Because of the corrupt people in power, you know, the the West empowered the most corrupt people in Afghanistan. You know, if they have listened to the wishes of Afghans, I listened to a press conference after 9-11 and after the Taliban were toppled, it was Shiri Blair and uh, Laura Bush, Bush's wife. Someone asked them that, uh, you know, now the Taliban are gone, so what is for the women? You know, you know what the answer was? They say women can wear lipsticks and nail polish. So, you know, I don't think so a priority for a woman is nail polish and lipstick. You know, a woman wants to have security, want to have education, want to have some sort of employment. I don't. I see a lot of uh, Scottish women who doesn't wear lipsticks or nail polish, you know, they're, you know, going around, you know. But in a press conference live, they say, you know, we liberated the woman, they can wear lipsticks and nail polish. You know, uh, women are not there to wear lipsticks in nail Polish. You know, they want some sort of employment, security, you know, stability, uh, education. Uh, but sadly, what that was their answer. You know, uh, the kind of things you hear, you will be shocked. But the bottom line is, you know, after 20 years, deliberately, the West, you know, didn't want to bring security because they say, you know, it's a conflict area, you know, it's a graveyard for foreign powers. No, because the struggle is... America wants to leave because China and Russia want to harm America uh, with the help of Iran and uh, Pakistan and others. So, you know, they're trying to look for a quick exit. Uh, and the same person who's negotiating on behalf of the American government, Zalmay Khalilzad, who's Af- origin, originally Afghan, but he was an Afghan ambassador, um, American ambassador in Iraq and Afghanistan. He said from the way in 1996, uh, uh uh that you know we can empower the taliban because you know under the taliban we can bring that uh, you know gas pipeline uh and there you know uh, uh, so they wanted to use the taliban for their own benefit but uh you know whatever happened between them so and and then again when it comes to bin laden you know bin laden was not even afghan you know he was brought into afghanistan by america you know to fight the russians Uh, And then uh, the guys who attack and kill innocent people in America in 9-11, you know, in New York and other places in America where innocent people were killed, they were not even Afghans, they were Arabs. You know, why didn't the West did not go and invade Saudi Arabia? You know, they should have gone after Saudi Arabia because all of them were rich. You know, they had rich families in Saudi. They were funded and financed by Saudi. Why go after Afghanistan? Yes, Taliban are terrorists. But that wasn't the excuse, you know. Uh, I mean, when the Taliban were terrorizing Afghans, especially women, before 9-11, it was okay because they were only terrorizing the Afghan women and the Afghan children and killing me and my family and others. But when they touch you, suddenly they become the the bad people. They were bad even, you know, uh, before 9-11. They were the worst human beings that Afghanistan had ever had, followed by the warlords and drug lords, you know, prior to them. But then suddenly they become terrorists overnight, you know. And then uh, uh, you, you know, every single minister in the Afghan cabinet is a foreign citizen. Either they're American or British or Australian or German, or none of them is Afghan. Yes, they're born in Afghanistan, but when trouble comes, they pack their bags and they run away and they will leave the Afghan to their miseries, you know. Every single one of them is a foreign citizen. Not a single person is an Afghan citizen. They're all foreign citizens and taken away from America and Britain, Germany, Holland, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and given the the jobs because, you know, they can steal and they can share the money.
3: If I'm not mistaken, Osama bin Laden was actually called a savior before um, when he was coming in um, to... It was in the newspaper. I just remembered, like the flash image of the newspaper stuck in my head, where they were calling him a savior, and they had they had him walk behind with uh, soldiers in the yeah, background. Uh, if
1: you look, if you newspaper. listen to, I don't know if you can g- get access, but I have a video to uh, the Ronald Reagan security advisor, and then some others. You know, there was a, a British guy. They went to a refugee camp in Pakistan, Afghan refugee camp. And they were chanting Allah Akbar, you know, non-Muslim chanting Allah Akbar, God is great, in that refugee camp. And he's telling the Afghans on the border with Pakistan that that is your land and your land is occupied by infidels, means Russians. Uh, a non-Muslims telling the Afghan Muslims that your land is occupied by infidels who are the Russians. And uh, he said, and in the video also, he said that we, to, de- to deceive the Afghan people, deceive, it's on the video. I forgot his name. It's a funny, uh, Russian kind of name, but uh, of Eastern European name. The security advisor to Ronald Reagan, and and he said to deceive the Afghan population, we have to bring people from uh, the Middle East, especially Saudi, Arabia, to fight in Afghanistan. So the Afghans, most of the population is uh, uneducated, so they will say it's a holy war, you know. Uh, it's a holy war, and uh, let's you uh, stand against Russians. You know, we fought the Western war. We fought your interests in Afghanistan, where 1.6 million Afghans were killed in the Russian occupation, but then when the time came, you walked away from us, you know, you left us, you know, to the warlords and the drug lords and the, 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 the terrorists, you know, uh, but when we were fighting your war, you know, we were the holy warriors, you know, you call us the holy warriors. But when, you know, your aim was achieved, that the Soviet Union was defeated in Afghanistan, you abandoned Afghanistan with uh, full of weapons. You know, all sorts of weapons were in Afghanistan. Uh, But it's sad, you know. (laughs) Uh, You know, when uh, you listen to politician, you know, I was on a debate with one military guy some time ago in London. You see, alliances change and, you know, the the, the terrorists of yesterday become the hero of today and the hero of today become a terrorist. He was quite right, you know. Uh, So he he told me I was naive, but I wasn't naive. I was just explaining the facts, you know, what people are doing uh, in Afghanistan, you know. Uh, And it's really sad. You know, it's not only in Afghanistan. I mean, it's in Iraq and in uh, Libya and Syria, you know. Uh, I, I remember David Cameron when he went to Benghazi. Uh, and he, with uh, that French president, uh, I don't know what his name was before this president. And uh, they both went to Benghazi Square in Libya and they said, we have liberated Libya. Now, Libya had three different governments, you know. <laughs> so how he liberated Libya? Libya has, doesn't have a functioning regime. You know? uh, so that's the sort of things, you know, you want to tell your audience that what we did in a foreign, you know, you're standing there in a square with few puppets and saying we liberated Libya from Gaddafi. Yes, Qaddafi was a dictator, no doubt about it. But you have made Syria, uh, uh, sorry, Libya worse than Qaddafi.
0: I'm
3: interested uh, in, the, in the comments Gaddafi, yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry. I, so, oh, it's just back. to mention um, Libya's currency model. They we're trying to get away from the oil currency model yep. at the moment at that moment in time, if I'm not mistaken, they were trying to lobby around for it. Um so it wasn't based on uh it wasn't based on the gold standard or the new uh, yes. petrol dollar it was based on something else I can't remember. But they were trying to move away from it at that moment in time. And I think it was six months to a year after that's when the the, the, the instigation of uh, the overthrow of uh, Gaddafi started. Um so I think that plays a huge factor if you yes, think yes, about, mm-hmm um that uh, they were trying to move away from the petrol dollar and try and create their
1: own um, no but there's no doubt you know Gaddafi was a dictator saddam was a dictator no doubt but if you look at the, the history of saddam who empowered him during the uh, the gulf war against iran and it was uh, every single european and western regime were giving weapons to saddam to fight against iran uh you know the and then he become a dictator for some reasons. Yes, if you are invading another your neighbor, you know, and you want to become a dictator, you are a dictator. But it's just the general politics. But sadly, you know, every war, like I saw it on uh, somewhere on the uh, m- m- uh, social media today, you know, the conflict really affects the poor. You know, the rich can move anywhere. You know, you can uh, invest one million pound in London, and you can bring your family. You know, easy. No one question you where you get the money. So it's the poor, you know, who suffer, and the people who suffer the most are women and children. You know, they cannot go anywhere.
0: Um, what I was going to mention is um, if we if we look at the comments, it's been uh, there've been some absolutely brilliant comments, by the way. Um, Mia mentioned earlier on about your comments about Pretty Patel that Mia, one of our regular viewers, is um, is half Indian, and she um, she is. Um, Feels n- that she's never been less represented by the government as she is at the moment, um, and I think that's a really good comment there. Um, also, uh, with regards to Pretty Patel, also people are mentioning Al Jazeera at the moment. Um, some people have said the only people who are given any sort of um, any sort of news on what's really going on in Afghanistan, and I don't know how good the news is from Al Jazeera. But, but it appears that it's been better now. Today, Al Jazeera's building in Gaza has been um, has been blown up, and I wondered if we had uh, any. You know, what what do we think about that? What do you think about that, Mohammed?
1: I mean, to be honest, you know, the 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 state of Israel, you know, is not going to stop by anything, you know. The state of, you know, I, I mean, how dare you go and attack, you know? Not only Al Jazeera, I saw another guy, I don't know, I think, uh, I don't know which organization he represented. He said it live on TV. He said that uh, his office is in the same building for, you know, 15, 16 years. He had never seen any Hamas member there. So it's just a blunt lie by the state of Israel. And they just want to get rid of people who can feed you a little bit of news. Al Jazeera news is far, far better than the BBC in the sky and you know, so many other, uh, you know, media organization in the UK. And, and that piece of information coming from Al Jazeera, they just want to destroy it, you know. And you don't even have the regards for the freedom of press. And then you said we're a democratic regime in the Middle East. We're the only democratic regime. You know, you going and bombing their uh, office, you know. It's like I saw it. It was like uh, coming down like 20 towers. you know. And, uh, you know, and I saw some people, you know, the other day when uh, other buildings uh, were in similar position, I saw some people were dancing, you know, in Israel, celebrating the, the, the collapse of the buildings. We, uh, we do understand that, you know, both states have to live together. But the oppressed right now are the Palestinian. Yes, Hamas have to stop their missiles. But then, you know, uh, 80 different jet fighters, you know, 80, it's zero have bombed Gaza so far, you know, the conflict started just a few days ago, and and Netanyahu is just doing it to stay in power, you know, there's no any other excuse, because he's having a corruption trial or whatever trial, and then he's not having a majority, so, you know, he wants to create an impression that I'm the only person who can save you from Hamas or Palestinians, you know, Uh, at the end, it's the poor Palestinian people who suffer, you know. Uh, I mean, they can go after the leadership of Hamas, and they can detain them very easily. You know, uh, but the problem is, you know, it is the ethnic cleansing uh, ethnic cleansing, as you call it, of Palestinians. Their land has been taken away, and their land has been taken every single day. You know, that fifteen or twenty percent of land they have, they're after it. And and uh, you know, imagine we had this lockdown for the past one year. You know how we felt. We are very angry, you know, because our freedom is taken away from us, you know. Uh, And then since 1968 or 48, you know, the Palestinians are in a similar position. You are not allowed to travel. You are not allowed uh, to go out. You are not allowed to live your own life the way you want it. You know, on the top, you are, you know, killed for the mistakes of others. So the world has to wake up, you know, and what we saw during Trump era, was even worse, you know, uh, recognizing or removing the, 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 the embassy, taking it to that you know, place and, and uh, telling Palestinian, you know, if you don't uh, work with us, you know, you will disappear. You know, he came on live television that, uh, you know, we can remove Afghanistan from the world map, you know, live on CNN, Trump said, uh, leader of the free world, as you call it, that we can remove Afghanistan from the map of the world within 24 hours. So these are the same people, you know, terrorizing people everywhere in the world, you know, especially in Palestine. And I don't believe in uh, what, what is that organization called? United Nations. It's just a corrupt organization, you know, controlled by few individuals. Uh, people are after their positions. If I speak out, you know, I will lose my job. That's what they do. The most corrupt organization on earth is the, the United Nations. You know, they, they are hardly doing anything. At least speak up, you know, what is happening right now. We have a prime minister here in, in Britain we have the former um, uh, chancellor. Uh, is it Javid? What was his name? Javid something? The, uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I forgot his name. Sajid Javid. Yes. He, he he gave an example. He said, imagine living in um, London in your barrage by missiles, you know. Uh, hello, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you're comparing the the, the the power of Israel with the you know, Palestinian, you know, Palestinian hardly had anything. They have no airport. They have no missiles. Yes, whatever Hamas is having, they should stop as well. We don't say that that's right. You know, Hamas should stop. But in the meantime, Israel should withdraw, you know, from the Palestinian land and leave the Palestinian land. You know, it's their land. You know, it's not your land. And although they have very little land, they're still saying, OK, we're happy in this land if we leave us alone. But still the the state of Israel you know, is not happy. They want to get rid of them, you know, as uh, 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 Trump said, you know, from the map of the world.
3: I know, I, it, I know a legal yeah. settlements. there has been resolutions from the UN, obviously, um, you're saying it's a, it's a very corrupt organization. It's too bureaucratic with no power. Yeah. That's the problem, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then, as you say, it's bureaucratic and such to the point that if somebody speaks out they're after they're after their position, there's always that type of stuff.
1: No, you break, the, uh, when, uh, when, when you, you break the, yeah, when you in the you break the u n resolution, certain countries suddenly the West impose sanctions against them. How many times the the state of Israel have ignored or refused to recognize any resolutions of the United nations? none so uh, whatsoever, you know. Uh, seizing land from different countries, you know, uh, treating the Arab population like they're dirt, you know, the you know who, those Arabs who are living in Israel, third citizens, you know, not allowing them to do anything. If you wise your opinion, you your strip of your citizenship. The new legislation they introduced some time ago that uh, you know, if a, a Palestinian Arab, you know, is not loyal to, or oh, if you voice your opinion against the state of Israel, you should lose your citizenship. You know, what sort of, uh, you know, uh, world we are living in, you know, that you cannot express your opinion. I know a lot of people who have no faith, you know, they don't believe in God, but they stand with us. You know, they they have a heart. You know, I have a lot of Christian friends. I have gay friends, lesbian friends, you know, mullahs friend, religious friends, all sorts of friends, you know, who come as a human being. You know, we look at you, uh, uh, who you are, you know. We don't look, you know, <laughs> at which country you come from and give you special treatments, no. Uh, but it's sad, you know, that the world has come to this stage, in, uh, you know, and the world is silent, and Palestine especially. And like a lot of the, you know, we don't expect anything from the, uh, I, uh, I cannot use the word here, but it's for the, the, you know, the the Arab states, head of states like Saudi, and, uh, Qatar, and uh, UAE. You know, these are basically, you know, slaves, you know. Uh, and they're responsible for the miseries of the Palestinian. you know, if, if they voice out their opinion, you know, that what is happening in Palestine, you know, we know there are secret deals behind the scene between Saudi Arabia and Israel and Bahrain and Qatar and others, you know, okay, every country have their own choice to establish relationship with Israel, but you should, uh, what do you call, press that, you know, the Palestinian rights should be respected, you know, I mean, it's it's horrible. Imagine if I'm a Jew, no disrespect to any Jew, because I have a lot of Jewish friends here in Scotland and, and Britain. You, you, you're you Jewish and, and when you lose your home here, you can go to uh, Israel and you can have a home. You can have a citizenship and you can live there. But if you're a Palestinian, you're not allowed to go back to your land. You know, what what sort of uh, world we are living in, you know, you cannot return to your homeland. You know, if, like you're living in your home and I say, don't come here again. You know, how would you feel, you know? Taken your uh, property, your dignity, your life. Uh, your children are being killed or tortured, and then I tell you, don't come to your home. How would you feel?
0: I think one of the one of the most powerful things mm-hmm. I've seen over over the weekend. Um, someone who's been a guest on this show, uh, David Rosenberg, um, who's a really lovely man. I'm not sure if you know him. He's um, yeah really lovely, mm-hmm. and we've interviewed him on this show before, um, and he showed uh, the a group of Jewish people campaigning for Palestinian rights. Um, and, you know, this is nothing to do with religion. This is yep. to do with power. This is to do with capitalism. Yep. And this mm-hmm. is the state mm-hmm. of yeah. Israel, you know, that are, mm-hmm. that are doing these things. Um, and, you know, I, I find it awful when people try to bring religion into it. Yeah. You know, and, and try to change it into something. It's not to to try and argue against the rights of the Palestinian people. Um, it's such an awful situation that you that you see, and I can't imagine living like that. And I can't imagine all the things that you've described. We can't imagine these things having like lived, not like, having never been at, at risk of being bombed or, or risk of you know losing. I mean, out. Uh, uh,
1: today it, I uh, saw a lady. Uh, can't remember who she was. Uh, and she was telling the story of Palestinian mother. Uh, she said, The mother said that I put my children to sleep. We sleep in the same room. Before, the children were sleeping in a separate room. But since the conflict started, we sleep in the same room that if we were killed, we are killed together.
3: I've seen the same
1: thing. It was not yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, how. You know, that's the 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 life of Palestinian. That you know, when you are killed, that at least you kill together. You know, and uh, like God forbid, you know, I think you were saying that you are going to put your children to sleep before we start this program, but you would never think in a million years that this thing will happen to you, you know, or this thing will ever happen here. But mm-hmm. the, you know, in Palestine, it's not only in Palestine; in so many parts of the world, you know. Uh, you know, it's happening. And uh, we don't rely on the head of our government like Boris or whoever is the head of states. You know, the people should come together in a peaceful manner, you know, and stand up against the oppression, against the aggression like what we stood against the war in Iraq and, you know, like uh, um, uh-huh. Laura was saying that today was 150,000 you know, in marching in London against the you know, conflict in Gaza. So people should come, you know, uh, together uh, because we don't really rely on our prime ministers or presidents because, uh, you know, they will not do anything for us. You know, Boris took a week to, you know, issue a statement, you know, and then we have Sajid Javid coming with uh, blaming everything on the Palestinian. You know, we we have a lot of uh, head of states, you know, there's a uh, uh, we have Sky and BBC showing, you know, rockets from Hamas, but they're not showing the 80 jet fighters, 80 jet fighters, F-16 in the latest jet fighters. The the state of Israel is having bombing Gaza, you know, uh, uh, targeting buildings, civilian areas. You know, where would the Palestinian residents from Gaza go? There is no open field that they can go and escape. You know, the bombing because it's a densely populated area. You know, uh, they have no space to go out and save their lives, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, I think the, the the leaders of the world, you know, sh- should call for a ceasefire immediately. And, uh, and, and they should recognize the state of Palestine, you know, and uh, whatever land they have should be recognized, you know. And they should live as we always campaign side by side because both uh, nations or both states have to live, you know. And and the people of Palestine will not disappear. I'm sure I'm sure, you know, they will left there whether it's occupation or no occupation, but they will still be on the on the planet, you know, on the face of the earth, you know, they will not disappear. But I think people should come out in a peaceful manner, uh, and telling Boris and his co and others that what is happening it's not in our name. Uh, whether You know, uh, we're Muslims or Jews or Christian or Hindus. It doesn't matter, as you said, we're all human beings. I came to this country as a stranger. I knew no one. I make hundreds and thousands of friends. I lost my brother's family uh, in 2013. It was an explosion in his house. My brother was killed, his wife, his son. And then my youngest, uh, his youngest son, who was only 33 days old, he survived, but he lost his face completely. Uh, I appealed to the Scottish government and the Scottish people and they brought him here, you know, for medical treatment. And he's living with me now because his parents are killed in the explosion. Uh, His brother, who was one year old, was killed. And he was the only survivor, you know, in the family. So uh, uh, the point is, the strangers in this country, in Scotland, came out and told the Scottish government that my boy has to be brought here for life-saving treatment. If you Google, you know, Scotland's child, yeah, the media give him a title, Scotland's child. After he arrived here, you will see that who he is. You know, he's now seven years old, living with me, very clever. You know, doing things in his own way. And so I'm just saying that you know, humanity humanity can work when we want to work together. You know, I knew no uh, no when I mean, the people who supported my my call to bring the boy here, I didn't know anyone of them. You know, I hardly knew anyone. And they wrote letters to the home secretary, not to the home secretary, to the Scottish government. And the Scottish government said they can treat him here. But the the problem is because the British government has to give him a visa to come here. So, you know, he came here with the help of strangers. You know, I knew no one and they supported my call. And the boy is just a big boy now. He's seven years old. He's in primary three.
0: Wow. That's that. uh can't respond to that. That's such a moving story, and no, it's
1: just you know I say when humans they want to work together, you can work together, you know, and and there are the world is full of good people. That's why the world is still intact, you know. There are more good people than bad people in this world, in this country, in Scotland. I left for nearly twenty-one years, and I I tell you, you know this. I meet people in ASDA, in Tesco's, in supermarkets, and they, you know, old women comes to me, ah are you that person who appeal, Yeah, and then take this you know uh, it's 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 their heart what matters you know and they said uh, can you buy chocolate for your boy you know that that really struck my my heart you know I mean my boy doesn't need chocolate but you look at her heart you know the way she treats me and the way she has that feelings you know so we should have it all for others as well you know I mean when it comes to me so I should treat others the same, you know, and, and the world is, uh, you know, full of good people. And I, I'm so glad that I make Scotland my home or Glasgow, my home. And I, I'm, 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 I'm really glad. I'm thankful to the home office who, where London was full and they sent me. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Um, that, it, it, As I say, that's so moving. And I think that brings us full circle as well, because the title of this program is Glasgow shows us how solidarity should be done. And, you know, it's like, what a, what an amazing testament to that city, to the country. And, you know, there are, there are good people when the, when the real people run the country, what an amazing thing that can happen, what an amazing you know world we could live in if the right people were in charge because I'm like you the, yes. and I think we're all like this we on socialist think tank we believe yeah. in humanity and we believe that people yes. are better mm. There are more good than bad we've had a, 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 a someone from um, kashmir Send mm-hmm. their solidarity to the people of Palestine, which is absolutely wonderful. In solidarity to the people yeah. of Kashmir as well, yeah, because they're having a issues, yeah. terrible, terrible time. Yeah. And, yeah, um, terrible and you time. know, we need to support the people of uh, of Kashmir as well. Kashmir, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just. Uh, I was, I think we'll. Um, we'll just spend the last couple of minutes just wrapping up um thank you everyone for the comments that's going to be my wrapping up statement i think we're going to i think we'll come to muhammad last to make the last <laughs> a last statement um laura
2: yeah i really want to talk for like three hours after that i really want to comment on everything you've said it's been amazing but i won't <laughs> um I, a couple of things i do want to say um the lady who posted about putting her children into bed, if you want a real view and a real rude awakening of what is happening to the Palestinian people, follow her on Twitter. She's called Iman Basha. Yeah. Iman um, Basha. Yeah. Mm. It was, um, it was actually, it was, um, the U S Congresswoman. Congresswoman. She woman. Did, yeah.
1: She said it. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. She's mm. the one
2: who talked about it in, mm-hmm. in government and, um, and And that's what really got everybody to this lady's page, but she's mm-hmm. posting videos of you know men screaming on their knees on piles of rubber looking for their family, um a little baby who's a few weeks old who's the sole survivor of the family,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
2: things like mm-hmm. that we could not even comprehend, and it's awful and it's painful to read, but people need to read it. people need to see what's happening and understand what's happening also another comment i just wanted to quickly make is that this is a really simplistic view of it and i I recognize that there are many layers but it does feel like the one thread that goes through all of these atrocities and all of these awful um groups like you know that that are ruling the world is capitalism it's yeah money the terror goes where the money is um and like you said you know the british people and u.s people just like had you, had had the afghan people fighting in their war and they're amazing it's like we're done with you now because we've got what we want and it's because they go where the money is and it feels like that mm-hmm. is that's what's been happening for centuries and it's still happening and people need to realize that these so-called wars on terror are not what they're billed to be people mm-hmm. need to wake up to that a little bit and finally, just to say, thank you again to Mohammed. Oh, Honestly, it's been really just, just it really has been inspiring to have you on today. My, and I, thank, I
1: really you, my, thank you, thank you for asking to me to you. come. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're not getting rid of us either. We're we're going to be in touch all the time now. <laughs> no, 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 if you visit Glasgow,
1: be our guest. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, absolutely. To be there any time, yeah. No, yeah, you can come. Next yeah, time to play. Yeah. I oh, know yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh, you can feel the Afghan hospitality. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> or Glasgow <Thank> hospitality. <laughs> yeah. James,
0: did yeah. you want to say anything?
3: Um, yeah, um, I just want to say what a what an absolute display of solidarity there has been, not just within Glasgow but on tonight's show with your stories, uh the way you've wrapped up um it, 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 in in the way that you did um with the stories and uh, that that you've uh, described tonight, um, the horrific ones, um, all the way to, up until the fun and happy ones. You know, um, uh, the, the the fact that you were able to mobilise a community based off uh, your media channels and social media of itself to be able to get everybody round the table and get what you did needed to be done. Um, I hold my hat after the whole community and yourselves. I would love Thank to. Um, I would love to obviously get involved in 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 that type of thing, because we have a detention centre in County Durham that we, uh, we're very much fighting at the moment. Um, so any help or advice in that regard would be amazing. Um, yeah. uh, and I would also just like to quickly say, if you want to get involved in Social Think Tank, you can do at uh, members.socialistthinktank.com. Um And uh, th- there is no membership fee or anything like that. Sign up as a member, join the WhatsApp group. We're hopefully getting a Discord to start. Uh, mobilising a little bit more accurately. Now, I'd like to say Mohamed, um I made a lot of notes Thank tonight. You. Thank um, you very so much. It's been a huge learning experience for me. Oh, and no, I hope that's I have, one of the reasons you know. why I kept quiet as much as I did because I'm, um, for like a lot of people even in the chat here, it's a learning experience for us all. That's that's, that's why we're here really. Uh, that's why I'm here. I'm here to learn and I'm here to uh, try and promote as many voices as possible
1: thank you very much thank you for asking me to come thank you so finally
0: finally for you Mohammed, um i'm i'm going to leave you with the the very final word and um and then then we'll just wave and say goodbye um but we do want to give you massive thanks for coming on giving us your time giving us your experience it's been very moving and I think you've been an incredible guest and we're Thank so grateful. You Thank you. Um, so any final words,
1: please do take it away. And I don't know what else to say, <laughs> honestly, but all I want to say is, you know, uh, just think just before the Corona, none of us realized that, you know, we would be in this situation, you know, and, a disease which is called corona would come and we will be like you know sentenced to our homes you know uh, spending a year sentence, you know for committing no crimes living in our house yeah uh, and uh, you know anything could happen in life you know britain is a very rich country and uh, you know corona came and a lot of people become penniless and you know sadly so many died you know uh, who could have survived but again as you said capitalism you know and and selfishness you know of the british state you know uh, didn't do the right job and so many people you know sadly died and they died in a very very difficult circumstances i know as i said my family you know things happened to my brother uh, my younger brother and his family that you are not allowed to say goodbye to your husband or your brother or your son or your sister or you know whoever your relative was in the hospital you want to hug him or her or touch him and you know want to listen in the last few minutes you know it was he or she wants to tell you. Uh, and they're dying in the hospitals on their own, you know, because of coronavirus, which we never expected, or the COVID they never expected. And that person who is on the hospital bed, you know, know for sure that, you know, no one is allowed to come near me because before he or she went into that hospital, he or she knows already the rules that no one is coming near me to hug me or kiss me or, you know, comfort me. So that must have been the worst, worst, worst feeling, you know, uh, and no one can really imagine what that person went through. And and, and it's the same in wars in poverty and, in, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, where people are bombed, you know, and they're screaming for help and, and uh, you know, support. And there is none available. The same is here with asylum seekers in refugees, you know, where you're in a very strange country. You know, you don't speak the language. You don't speak. Uh, you don't know the culture. You don't know anyone, but you are here on your own and you're running from persecution yes and we always say that you know we are we are accused that not everyone should come here yeah not everyone is coming here you know the tiny tiny amount of asylum seekers make it to britain the rest make it to the poor countries as i said in you know in pakistan few million afghans in iran few million afghans in lebanon a poor country again jordan very poor country iraq very poor country hosting you know syrian refugees you know uh, millions of them are there you know then not millions of them are coming here you know you know even not thirty, forty thousand 40000 came to this country or 50000 in the last year so they went all to the poor country so what i my appeal to to the general public is you know treat your neighbor and no uh, look after your neighbor you know uh, i mean as a muslim uh, as I probably you know i'm not very religious but i believe in this uh, uh, fundamental principle that you know on the day of judgment when i die you know and when there was someone hungry on my street you know god will ask me that someone was hungry uh, but you are having all your kebab in your palau in your you know uh, uh, you know you had a uh, full stomach but someone was hungry and suffering and you didn't bother to to look after your neighbor so look after your neighbor whether you believe in religion or not it's another thing i'm not asking people to go and follow religion what I'm saying is follow your heart and, and and you know, uh, look at human beings as they are. You know, we're all human beings, and I think the world can become a better place and a beautiful place is how it works. Imagine if we all wear, you know, all of us today are wearing the same clothes, you know, we wouldn't be looking beautiful, you know, or oh, handsome. You know, Laura is beautiful in her own clothes. You know, you are different. I'm different. You know, you are different. So we are a variety, you know, it's like pickles, you know, I I do these jokes, you know, to to keep my audience awake. We're like pickles, you know, there's every single uh, flavor in it. You have chili, you have the sourish cucumber and you have something sweet in it, you know. That's how the beauty of a pickle is, although it might not be expensive, but, you know, you really enjoy it. You know, when something is really hot or sourish or bitter, you know, you think, why is this, you know. So if we were all the same color, you know, I think we wouldn't be enjoying ourselves. You know, the beauty is, you know, uh, in different culture and in, uh, in different backgrounds. And we're uh, end of the day, if you cut yourself, we have the same blood, which is really, really good. You know, the, the same blood, the same color. Uh, but look after one another and, uh, you know, uh, asylum seekers, as I say, sometimes people say they are human beings too. Yes, we are human beings, you know, <laughs> we are not from another planet. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, mobilize your community, don't rely on the state because the state will not come and help you because what the state will do is they will cut your pension, they will cut your benefit, they will cut whatever you have, you know, when you die, you know, your house, you have to pay whatever that inheritance tax, although, you know, you are married and your husband and wife, but in Scotland, it's no longer, I don't know what it, uh, how it works in England. But as I say, look for one another and and love one another. And and life is very short, you know. Uh, I I tell you one last practical joke, which my immigration solicitor, you know, he's a very funny guy, Celtic supporters uh, as well. His wife is writing, uh, uh, his wife is storyliner for different uh, soaps. So there was an Afghan asylum seeker He used to come to him every week, say, how is my asylum claim? When I'm getting a decision, when I'm getting my decision. So he took his file. He said, gentlemen, take your file. Life is very short. The home office takes too long, you know. Uh, So, you know, life is short, you know. We need to love each other and and care about each other. So that's the beauty of the life. Uh, I I know some people love money. We all need money to survive, but money is not everything in life. Uh, Trust me, you know, some people were very rich or still very rich, but they don't enjoy, you know, life. Uh, So we can sleep at night better than the rich, you know, because the rich are thinking, you know, I'm losing shares and I'm, losing you know businesses so at least we can go to our bed you know thinking that we have done something better even if we help one person you know it's not loss. you know it's much better Uh, and and uh, at the end you can share the link with us so we can send it to our friends as well if there is any link here thank you
0: we definitely will and uh, i think we'll all sleep a little bit better knowing that there are people like you in the world thank you so much we're gonna say goodbye thank now. You. See you thank later, you very everyone. much.
1: Have a nice night. Yeah, take care. No, bye bye. No, yeah, bye Send me the link, please. Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye
1: bye bye. The Chief,
2: the Red, fly, fly.